Take your Bible tonight, please. Turn to Psalm 92 tonight, please. Psalm 92. Uh, we don't know for sure who the author, or I should say the, the human writer of Psalm 92 is. Remember, uh, Mike, we said last week there's a Jewish tradition when the penman or writer is not named. You look back to the last place someone was named. That'd be uh, Moses in Psalm 90. We looked at Psalm 91 last Sunday night. And so that's a possibility. Uh, although many have said this psalm, it, it rings more like David, Brother Art. And so I don't know for sure. The Lord has not seen fit to uh, disclose or reveal uh, who penned this uh, psalm down. But we do know, of course, it's God's word, and we thank the Lord for that. Uh, this psalm tonight is uh, it's a wonderful uh, worship psalm. Uh, if you look there at the title, I'm not there, but I'll be there in a second, Psalm 92, uh, a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. And of course, uh, this is a reference in, here in the Old Testament, of course, to the Old Testament Jewish Sabbath day, the, uh, the Saturday worship day. Maryland, we understand today that's been changed, not the Sabbath. Sabbath is still the Sabbath. The Jewish Sabbath is still the Jewish Sabbath. Uh, but the day that uh, New Testament, New Covenant believers are, are called to assemble together, primary day for that at least is, is Sunday, the first day. And Gary, we understand that's what we observe in the New Testament. It seems to be a commemoration of the day that Christ rose, right? And so uh, that's a fitting reason at least. Uh, I think that's a, that's a good enough reason for me. In any event, that's the day we see, uh, we understand, we see churches meeting in the New Testament. Uh, if you can, please, I realize it's Sunday night, but if you can, would you stand with me? I want to uh, read through this psalm tonight. It's, it's not real long. It's just 15 verses. Uh, it's here, Psalm 92 tonight. It does say a psalm or song for the Sabbath day in the title. And then verse 1 continues, uh, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Amen. Uh, and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. So, uh, it's a psalm, it's a song, it's a prayer as well. Uh, he's speaking to the Lord. Verse 2, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning uh, and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp. We recognize that one. Uh, see this next phrase, with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, he's speaking to the Lord, he's praying, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, verse 5, how great are thy works. Amen. Uh, and thy thoughts are very deep. Verse 6, a brutish man knoweth not, neither does a, doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring is the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, uh, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. We understand that. The unrepentant wicked will be destroyed. Uh, but, verse 8, but thou, Lord, are most high for how long, church? Evermore. Amen. Uh, verse 9, for lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But, verse 10, but... My horn shalt thou exult like the horn of a unicorn. <laughs> I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye is also, mine eye, forgive me, mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies. And mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. 
The righteous, verse 12, shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in when? Say amen, in old age, amen. They shall be fat and flourishing, a poetic picture of blessings. Uh, verse 15, why? To show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, amen, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Uh, a call for the righteous to worship. This is what we see here today, a call for the righteous to worship. Let's pray. Father, thank you, uh, Lord, so much tonight for this wonderful psalm uh, of praise. Lord, you, uh, you show us, uh, you remind us tonight of our call, our command to be people of, of worshipful praise, uh, praiseful worship. And Lord, the many reasons uh, for that, uh, the fact that you're so uh, worthy of praise for your great works and your judgment of the wicked and your goodness toward the godly, toward, toward your people. Lord, I pray tonight that we'd get a hold of these things and we'd be reminded uh, tonight and, and compelled tonight uh, to be people of great praise and people of, of great worship on the evening of this first day of the week, the day that you've called us to gather together, to assemble together, uh, to worship you. And Father, I pray tonight that you'll praise your people for their presence, that you'll praise your people for their obedience, their righteousness before you. Lord, tonight I pray that you work in our hearts also, Father. If there's things we need to get right with you tonight, uh, show us that. Search our hearts tonight, Lord, and uh, give us grace to confess that and put off the disobedience, put on obedience in its place. Lord, bless each one with peace as we do. Father, help me now. I need that. I, I thank you for it. Pray that you work here now in these next few minutes. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Uh, pray that you meet with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, did you come to worship the Lord and, and praise him tonight? Is that part of your purpose for being here? That's good purpose, amen. Mike, we have great purpose. We, we ought to be the least depressed and uh, least downtrodden uh, people around. We have such great purpose uh, for our lives. Understand, uh, Rich, we face all kinds of trials and tribulations. We talk about that all the time. God's working in them. But no matter what's going on, we still have this great and wonderful purpose purpose of worshiping the Lord, of, of praising him in our worship. Does that matter? Does, does that matter? Are you thankful tonight for that purpose? You ever meet people who just don't feel like they have any purpose at all? They're just kind of dragging around. I don't even know why uh, I'm here. I don't know. Uh, that's not us. We, we know uh, why we're here. We're, we're, here uh, we're here to worship the Lord and to praise him and, and to serve him and uh, to carry out his purposes. Uh, praise God for that. Uh, so we have this wonderful uh, call uh, to worship and to praise uh, the Lord. Look with me back in verse 1. Uh, the psalmist, whoever it is, whoever is writing uh, these God's words, he says, it is a good thing. Uh, it is a good thing, Brother Ed, to give thanks unto the Lord. Uh, what do you want to thank him for tonight? Well, begin and thank him for that purpose that we have. We have great purpose. Uh, we, we thank him for that. It's a good thing. The Lord says it's a good thing to give thanks uh, unto him, he couples this giving of thanks together with the idea of singing praises unto his name. 
Uh, I hope tonight as, as you sang, uh, your heart was to worship and, and to sing forth praises to the Lord. We know we have verses like Colossians uh, 3.16, which teach us that, yes, there's a sense in which our singing is for us uh, to help teach us doctrine and so forth, but we understand scripturally it, it's also worship, right? It's exalting the Lord. And, and Gary, those two things go together, don't they? If, if, we're, if we're encouraging each other uh, in our knowledge of the Lord and, and doctrine and so forth, uh, that is exalting the Lord, right? That's, that's lifting up his name and uh, lifting up his attributes and, and broadcasting who he is uh, and what he's like. And our hearts, of course, should be to be worshiping him uh, as we do that. It's a good thing, uh, he says, to give thanks unto the Lord uh, and to sing praises unto thy name. Uh, he's called here what? The uh, O most, what is it at the end of verse one? Almost high. That's who he is, right? Uh, he, he's, <laughs> there's a sense in which he's, uh, he's high above. Marilyn, he's, he's greater than anyone. He, he's the Lord. Uh, he alone is the creator of all things. Uh, in, in, in that sense, he, he is uh, unthinkably, immeasurably high above us. Uh, and yet at the same time, he indwells us. He's, he's in us. He's imminent. In, in, he's both. He's high above uh, and, he, and he's so near to us. Aren't you glad tonight the Bible promises that if we'll draw near to the Lord, what? He'll draw near to us. Aren't you glad for that promise tonight? What an amazing privilege, Brother Mike. If I'll, if I'll draw near to the Lord, teach, uh, preach about this to the kids up at camp on, on, on Tuesday. You've probably heard me make references to it since then, maybe this morning, maybe Wednesday night. The, the thoughts keep sneaking into my preaching uh, today, Gary, uh, the rest of the week. Uh, I, I, I told them that they, they need to ask the Lord to give them a desire for him. Lord, Lord, if... If I don't have the right kind of desire for you, give me a desire for you. And I, and I said, having done that, trust the Lord to give you a desire for him and, and then choose uh, to draw near to him. Uh, draw near to him. There's two Ds there, right? And, and I said, uh, af after that, rec recognize, and I think I mentioned this this morning, that our, our temptation is just to visit with him, not, not to stay with him, not to dwell with, choose not just to visit with the Lord after you've drawn close to him, but to dwell with him, to, to live your life as if uh, he is with you day in and day out, every moment of every day. I said, Brother Art, as if that were the case, but is that not the case? He is, he is literally indwelling us every moment of every day. Don't forget that, that was, that was my 3D model for drawing close to the Lord, Brother Art. They, they like that, I think. Um, they seem to encourage at least. Uh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to have a desire, to, to, to cultivate a desire for you, uh, to desire to draw near to you and to dwell with you. Uh, and by the way, not just visit with you uh, at church, you know, when we visit with each other, that becomes our cue to, no, not, not just visiting with the Lord on Sundays when we come in, but all the time, right, dwelling with him. Uh, and we see that in verse 2. That was a long, a long road to get to verse 2, Mike, but in verse 2, uh, you see this. So, you know, verse 1 is kind of the what. what Lord, what would you have us to do? Well, we'll praise him, give thanks, and, and sing praises. He's the most high. Uh, when? Well, the, the psalmist is, titles the psalm. 
uh, for the Sabbath day. So, yeah, he's talking about the Sabbath day, being faithful to come together and, and to worship the Lord uh, on the, the day of worship, whether you're a person that was living back in the Old Covenant or, or here in the church age now on Sunday. But not only then, not just visiting with the Lord one day a week and then kind of moving on and, and, and living out the rest of the week, uh, verse 2 shows us that we should be praising him, thanking him, and praising him uh, when? Uh, well, verse 2 says this, to show forth thy loving kindness in the when? The when? When? Morning. In, in, in the morning. Uh, and thy faithfulness says uh, night, but there's a word that comes before night there, isn't there? What's that word? Every night, yeah. So, yeah, I understand the psalm was written to be used as part of the Sabbath worship uh, under the uh, old old covenant. No, no doubt it was. It's kind of neat, Gary, that we have it. And no, this was a, this was a great uh, worship song or, or worship hymn that no doubt was used for a very long time uh, at the tabernacle at at the temple. No doubt, uh, both both I'm sure. Um, and um, we can understand. Well that, well, that was the case. Um, it, this psalm is also a reminder that uh, we're called to worship and praise and thank uh, and worship and praise and thank the Lord every morning uh, and every night. Uh, for what? For his loving kindness, for example. Uh, for his faithfulness, for example. Uh, not just visiting with him on the day that he prescribes for corporate worship, but every day. This points to the need uh, to be, be careful, to take care that we develop good habits of, of private worship between our corporate worship. Lord, help me to be an every morning person. Lord, help me to be uh, an every night person. Lord, I know you're faithful to me every day. Help me to be faithful to you every day. Uh, Lord, you've shown me such love and such, such loving kindness. Uh, God, give me a heart to show that back to you with my faithful gratitude and praise and worship every day. Uh, verse 2, praise God, praise God. This is, this is the when. Uh, and then there's the how. So we got the what, praise him, thank him, worship him. Uh, we got the when, uh, corporate worship, no doubt, uh, for them Saturday, for us Sunday, but every day also uh, in between. We've got the what and the when, and then the how. Uh, verse 3 uh, shows us some of the how. Uh, with music that uses a solemn sound. Look with me again at verse 3. A uh, how? Well, upon an instrument of ten strings. So there was uh, worship music that was used. Uh, if you look at the Hebrew, some think that there's musical notation there. There's breathing marks and some symbols we're not real sure about, but uh, some discern music there, and that's, that's quite an interesting possibility. Uh, in any event, there, there's, there's to be worshipful music, an instrument of ten strings upon the psaltery, upon the harp. Well, we know what a harp is, uh, but not just any music. And you see this here, right? Uh, there's instruments, and that implies music, but not just any music. Upon the harp with a what? What are the last two words of verse 3? Solemn sound. Uh, a solemn sound. Uh, you understand tonight we're taking great care here in our church at Long Hill Baptist Church that our worship music uh, remain just that, very worshipful, uh, very solemn, very Christ-honoring. Uh, not uh, the world's music, not uh, music that appeals to the flesh, 
uh, but music that would be pleasing uh, to the Lord. And there's all kinds of reasons that, that, you know, we've covered that in the past. We've looked at all the biblical principles that kind of factor into that decision. Uh, but really, Mike, you don't need to look any further than right here, verse 3. We understand the Lord desires that the music that accompanies our worship singing, uh, it should be solemn. It, it should be solemn. An underlying word there, it doesn't mean it has to be boring and, you know, dragging. Uh, the word has the idea of, of meditation. It, it, should, it, it should be music that encourages uh, meditation upon the Lord that we're worshiping, a focus upon him. Uh, rather than, and stop and think about this, maybe, maybe you've been to churches that use different kinds of music, uh, and, and it, I have visited churches that happened to use music that I didn't think was uh, the best choice they could make. What happens, what happens if the music is not solemn music that encourages a focus on the Lord? Well, what happens, uh, it begins to encourage more of a, oh, I'm being entertained kind of heart, right? Uh, it, it puts the emphasis more on me uh, as someone who might desire to be entertained than, uh, than keeping the focus on the Lord, uh, who, who is the one who is who is the only one who is worthy of being worshipped. And, and I think that, that idea comes through pretty, pretty plainly here. We understand there's lots of dangers in, in musical styles, and uh, Rich and I have spoken a lot about this over the years. We don't even understand uh, how, how it is that some music is healthier than others. We just understand that it is. Uh, certain styles of music uh, seem to promote a, a, a holier, more righteous uh, more singular focus on the Lord rather than a focus on me uh, and my carnal desire to be entertained. And so, uh, yeah, he should be praised uh, with music, uh, but not just any music, music that is appropriate for the occasion uh, and the presence of God. Would you choose different music um, in, in different settings? Maybe if, if, if you knew that the Lord was present, Brother Art, wouldn't that, wouldn't that encourage you to choose a certain style of music. It, it, it does, right? Uh, he is present. <laughs> He's present in a special way uh, when his people have assembled together. We need to keep that in mind. The Lord is present uh, in a special way where and when uh, we assemble together. And boy, that Mike, that makes me think long and hard about the style of music uh, that is appropriate for a meeting uh, with our Lord and Savior. Uh, enough said. Let, let's move on here tonight. So we see the what, our call to worship. We see the when, yes, the day the Lord prescribes for corporate worship, and also uh, every morning, every night, uh, and the how uh, with music that's appropriate. By the way, can you sing hymns at home? Well, I can't, but you, <laughs> Marilyn's shaking her head like this. Uh, you you can, <laughs> yeah, you can. I'm not in the habit of doing that, but uh, sometimes, not recently, but sometimes in the past, I've been in the habit of during my devotion time to read hymns uh, and to kind of let that prompt prayerful thoughts and, and worshipful thoughts, kind of kind of as you would you know, reading the Bible, right? Allowing that to prompt worshipful thoughts and and, and other prayers and. I think the Lord. I think the Lord appreciates that. If you if you've got great hymns, um, we 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 have them and and they're for worship. Of course, the greatest hymns ever written are the Psalms, <laughs> and so uh, they're most valuable for this purpose. Uh, the balance of the the Psalm here tonight is 
uh, just layering on reasons why uh, we should praise him. Why should we praise him uh, in corporate worship? Why should we be praising and worshiping him day in and day out? Uh, why should we care about how we do that? Well, he, he gives reasons here. Uh, and, and Gary, you just, we just know that the, as we look through the reasons, we've read them already, uh, the Lord gives these as, as prompts to worship, right? He desires that we would be faithful to worship him. And so uh, here in his words, here in this worship song, he gives us prompts to worship, reasons uh, which serve as, as prompts to worship him. And, and, and they're just that. Next couple of verses, uh, verses four and five, basically teach us or encourage us or prompt us to praise him for his great works. Write that down, please. Praise him for uh, his great works. And see verse four again. Uh, for thou, he's, he's Psalm's talking to the Lord, praying to him, for thou, Lord, uh, hast made me glad through thy what? Through his works. And you stop and think as we, I encourage us all the time, I, I know I'm like a broken record this way, but stop and think about what the Lord has done for you. Stop and think about what the Lord has shown you that he's done for his people in, in, his, in the Bible throughout history. And, and let that be a prompt to stop and think about what has the Lord done for me? What is he doing for me? Uh, that, that ought to encourage some gratitude. Uh, it's a good thing, verse one, to give thanks unto the Lord and, uh, and to sing praises unto his name. Stop and think or ask the Lord. You can pray uh, and say, Lord, uh, show me in, in my heart what I ought to be thankful for uh, today. Lord, show me, uh, re remind me, place, prompt me in my heart some of those great works that, that you've done for me. Mike, if I can't think of anything, I can always think about the cross, the greatest of all works, right? And, and just stop and thank the Lord for that. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy uh, work. And he says this, I will triumph uh, in the works of thy hands. The word triumph there, we, we normally think of it as uh, t the way it's used today is like having a victory, right? Triumphing over something. Uh, the, word, the underlying word has more the idea of, of crying out or shouting out for joy. Uh, probably singing might be implied. You know, singing out like you really mean it, like you're worshiping the Lord. Uh, you want them to hear. You're, you're singing out. You're, uh, you're encouraged and rejoicing and praising him. Uh, and, and so there's a triumphalness to your, uh, your praise, your singing out. Now, brother, our, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm at the piano because I don't feel like I have to be singing there because I struggle with that. You, you know I struggle with the singing. Maybe I could try, but also know, and you know, I cannot do two things at the same time, right? It'd be like walking and chewing gum, right? I, you, I can't do it. I can, but I, I'm sure that I, if I can't sing when I'm not playing the piano, uh, and I struggle with the piano if I'm not singing, trying to put those two things together probably won't work for me. Uh, but you're not there, right? So you guys, you've got to sing out, right? Um, <laughs> do you have some things to sing about? Do you? Amen. Uh, there, ought to be, there ought to be a triumphal spirit in, in our hearts. We stop and think about what has God done for me? You come in on Sunday morning, uh, you know, ask the Lord to prepare your heart. Lord, give me a, a worshipful heart. Help me, help me to be mindful of the things that, that you've done for me, that you are doing for me, that you will do for me. Uh, God, give me a heart that just, you know, that that, that would just come out uh, in my singing 
uh, and worship. The word technically does refer to this crying out or shouting forth in, in joyful uh, song, probably, but I think we, we could take the word as the way it's used today, triumph, victory, and uh, let that encourage us to, to sing like people who, who know a victory in Jesus. Do we, do we know a victory in Jesus? Amen, we do, <laughs> we do. He says in verse five, he's again talking to the Lord, and uh, you, you can read through a verse, uh, a psalm like this, and uh, and and when when you see verses that are that are being prayed to the Lord, you can stop and pray them to the Lord yourself. I I've encouraged that before. I enjoy doing that. Uh, I think the Lord appreciates it. He's given us these songs that are also prayers. Uh, verse five: O Lord, how great are thy works! Gary, you could just stop and pray that right now, right? Lord, how how great are your works? Uh, he's put that prayer here because he desires that prayer, no doubt. Oh, Lord, how great are thy works. By the way, how great are his works? You got a word for it? Uh, you had a good word. What was it the other night? A word that was bigger than big? It was enormous. Is that the word you gave me? You contributed. I don't uh, Do we have a word that's big enough for how great God's works are? I don't, I don't think we do. They're, they're, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Lord, this is, this is a question, right? How great are thy works? Greater than we can define, greater uh, than we can imagine. Uh, and then this next phrase here, which you, you have to love. Okay, you have to. Uh, and thy thoughts are what? Very deep. The, the poetry is wonderful. You picture a, a, a Lord on high with, with great works and uh, that idea being contrasted with great depth, but they, it's not really a contrast as much as uh, a, a parallel. Uh, his, his greatness is this big on high uh, and the depth of his thought is, is, is this great uh, uh, in, in deepness. Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, he's more eloquent than I am, Brother Gary. Uh, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, they may be familiar to you. Write down the reference, please. Isaiah 59, forgive me, 55, verses 8 and 9. Here the Bible says, the Lord says uh, to Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is familiar, right? Uh, Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's true, right? Uh, I have to to think and and remember and kind of force myself to remember verses like this when you you look upon something that's very difficult or or someone says, how how could the Lord allow this? Uh, And someone, I was talking with someone yesterday, a man who had seen just an unthinkable tragedy and decided in a moment that there was no God because he, a, a, a God would not allow such unthinkable tragedies. Well, we know God has his purposes, right? He's, he's God of purpose, and uh, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Uh, his, his thoughts are, are higher than the earth. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher than my ways. Uh, Gary, he has purposes that we cannot always discern, that we cannot always see. Uh, he knows what he's doing. And don't forget that. Uh, Romans 11 and verse 33. Romans, write the reference down. Romans 11, verse 33. Uh, Paul writing to the church there, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You know, there, there's a lot that God has revealed about himself, Brother Mike. And, and there's a lot that he has revealed to us. 
Uh, but there's an awful lot that is just beyond our comprehension. Is that okay with you? Is that okay with you? Just beyond our comprehension. Uh, Brother Garcia has an illustration. He, t- he talks about how, I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't do it justice, but see Brother Garcia after church. His illustration, it's a boxcar, right? The BB bouncing on box, <laughs> BB in the boxcar illustration. Uh, is, he, he's beyond our comprehension, um, and, and not in a bad way. Amen. Aren't you glad tonight that you have a God that you can't quite wrap your arms, a God that you can't quite wrap your, your mind about? He's that much higher than us. You have to keep these things in mind uh, when you're struggling with something that we see. You, you, you struggle with, with something that you see, something that you hear. You know, we're concerned about COVID again and, and Delta. We'll be talking more about that and trying to understand how we should be reacting to that, to be wise and, and so forth. And and we need to do that. But people look at that and say, well, where, where's God in this? No, he, he's, he's there. Don't question him. Uh, he, he knows exactly what he's allowing and, and why. And, and he has his purposes. Uh, Lord, help us not to question you. Uh, I've, I've said many times in the case of Job, it would have been okay for Job to wonder, you know, why, why, why did God take my family and, and my wealth and, and my health? And it would have been okay for him to wonder about that. What wasn't okay was getting angry and angrily questioning God, right? Lord, help us. Lord, help us uh, to be reminded your, your ways are, are higher than ours. You have purposes that we cannot always see. Uh, but I can always know, Brother Gary, that he has purposes. He has purposes. Uh, oh, Lord, how great are thy thoughts, and thy thoughts are very deep. Uh, praise him for his great works. Praise him for his great works. Uh, praise him, um, secondly here uh, tonight, for his judgment of the wicked. See this in the, in the next several verses. Uh, praise him for his judgment of, of the wicked. Uh, we looked at a wicked couple this morning in Matthew 14. And uh, part of their wickedness was the, the vindictiveness of, of Herodias, right? And, uh, and we said, listen, there's, <laughs> I don't want to, can't repeat the whole message, but um, we, we can take comfort in the fact that the Lord will deal with the unrepentant. Our prayer should be that they repent, right? That should be, that's the most loving prayer. When people have wronged us, we should pray that they repent. If they need to be saved, get saved. If they're a believer who needs to grow, that they'd grow, uh, that they'd get right with the Lord. But we understand that a, a lost person who remains unrepentant through the end of their, God's gonna deal with them. Uh, he will judge them uh, in a way that um, is, is only for him. Uh, and not for us, and, and you can praise him for that. You, you can, he writes wrongs uh, in the end. Rich, I would much rather see a lost person who's wronged me get saved and forgiven. Uh, but also, I could take comfort, I suppose, uh, in, in the fact that in the end, no matter what, the Lord will right wrongs. Look at verse six, please. Uh, a brutish man, that word's also translated foolish, uh, some have suggested that it, some commentators say it has the idea of, of stupidness, but probably more foolishness. It's translated foolishness at least once. Uh, a brutish man uh, knoweth not, neither doth a fool uh, understand this. Uh, you know, there's, there's people that just refuse biblical truth. Uh, there's people who refuse truth about salvation. We all know some of them. 
Um, there's Christians who refuse certain aspects of Bible truth. You ever have to pray against that? Lord, help me just to receive all of your words, whether it's easy for me to do that or not. God, help me to receive all of your words, not rejecting any, but to really receive them all, not picking and choosing what feels good to me, but uh, being a person who has a heart and a mind to take in all of your words uh, and to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me in my application of those things in the most practical way today. Lord, for your honor and your glory. A foolish man doesn't do that. He, he, he just doesn't do that. He doesn't understand God, what God's words. He, he doesn't understand God's purposes. doesn't care about who God is, what God's like, the fact that God's works are great and his thoughts are deep. And, and he's just not to be questioned. The foolish, the foolish reject this. Uh, knowledge. Lord, Lord, help us to not be among them. Uh, the psalmist uh, then comes in, in verse 8, and he's, uh, he's reflecting on the fact that, boy, it just seems like there's so many wicked people out there today uh, flourishing, right? This is, this is a constant uh, thing that the psalmist struggles with, well, acknowledges uh, the struggle. Uh, verse 7, when the wicked spring as the grass, when they're growing up everywhere like the grass growing up everywhere, and when all the workers of iniquity uh, do flourish. Uh, he's, he's looking at wicked people everywhere and how they, they flourish and just seem to have so much and do so well uh, for a time. He says, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. That construction seems a little bit difficult for us, but you understand that the thought there, uh, they may flourish for a time, uh, but in the end, God deals with the unrepentant. Same idea that we've, uh, we've seen before. Uh, Psalm 73 and verse 19 says this, how are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, uh, they are utterly consumed with terrors. Uh, in the end, the Lord will execute perfect justice uh, against those who have rejected him. Gary, I'm thankful tonight. He's the same God who will reward his people with perfect justice. He sees our hearts. He knows your faithfulness to be uh, praying uh, and, and serving when no one else can see it. He sees that, uh, and he'll be faithful to reward us in eternity uh, and to do so according to his justice as well. The same justice will be meted out against those who have rejected Christ uh, and the offer of free salvation. So uh, the unrepentant wicked... Uh, they're here for a time, uh, and then they're gone. God, God will deal with them. That's, this is the idea, verse 6 uh, and 7. And then there's this wonderful contrast between that idea, uh, the, temporary, uh, the temporary flourishing of, of the wicked. It's very temporary. They may flourish for a moment and then not. Very temporary. That idea is contrasted. Uh, with the uh, eternal nature of the Lord. Look at verse 8, but. So there's a point of contrast, right? But, uh, and the psalmist is praying and, and worshiping. He says, but thou, Lord, art most high for how long? Evermore. Uh, and he doesn't change either, right? 
Uh, Psalm 102 and verse 26 says, Thou shalt endure. Psalm uh, 102 and verse 27, the next verse says, uh, Lord, thy years uh, shall have no end. In Job 36, the Bible says, Neither can the number of his years be searched out. He will go on forever. He's always been. He is and he always will be. Uh, and he'll not change. Uh, who else could say that? It, it, it's an amazing thing. Uh, he, the Lord alone could say that. This is who he is. Uh, he's the most high and he shall be forevermore. That's praiseworthy. That's praiseworthy. Mike, by the way, if that's true, he'll be there always for us, right? Uh, and if that's true, our salvation is secured all throughout eternity uh, because the Lord will be present and he doesn't change. There's so many implications of, of this wonderful truth uh, that, that should prompt us uh, to praise him. Lord, help us to take these things in and uh, meditate on them and, and, and praise you for all of the implications. Uh, verse 9 reiterates the ultimate judgment of the wicked. Uh, verses 7 and 9, kind of like the the bread of the sandwich, and then the, the good stuff is in the middle. The Lord goes on forever in the middle, but on the ends there, you have the temporary nature of the wicked. Verse nine says this, for lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. Praise God, all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Uh, praise God. So uh, the Lord is to be praised for his great works. Lord, give me a heart to praise you for uh, your great works, and especially those that you are working in, in my life, the first thing. Uh, second thing, praise him for his, his righteous, faithful dealing or with the wicked or, or judgment of the wicked. Uh, and now there's something a little more positive. Praise him for his goodness uh, to the godly. That's, that's us, right? Praise him for his goodness uh, to us. You see this in the, in the closing verses here, uh, and we'll be done. Number three, you can praise him. Uh, for his goodness to the godly, for his goodness uh, to us. Um, we'll see three things here quickly under this uh, main idea. The psalmist anticipated that the Lord would be good <clears throat> to, excuse me, uh, to him by strengthening him. You ever, you ever need to be strengthened by the Lord? Your strength ever kind of wind down and wear out a little bit? Uh, the psalmist anticipated the Lord would be available to him to bless him uh, I think there's, there's something in view here, a blessing, this being a blessing for faithfulness to be worshiping the way the Lord prescribed. That's the context here, right? This is, this is worship on the day of corporate worship. Uh, and, and everything that he says here is, is part of that worship. But I think there's at least a suggestion here that some of the things that he's praising God for are blessings for being faithful to corporate worship and actually worshiping him, praising him and thanking him uh, and, and worshiping him. So one of the things the psalmist anticipates along those lines is God being good to him by strengthening him. It's poetic language he uses to express this idea. Verse 10, he says, Mine horn, but my horn uh, shalt thou exalt. Anybody here have a horn? <laughs> yeah, you don't have a horn, do you? Uh, no, no. no. Uh, it's poetic language, it's, it's a metaphor, it's something that was in use in, in this day uh, as a picture of being strengthened, uh, like the horn of, of a unicorn. People debate what is that animal, the unicorn. It could be a rhino, it could be something else. We, we don't know for sure. Probably an animal that's extinct now, uh, I think would be the idea. But uh, the picture here, but mine horn shalt thou, Lord, uh, exalt like the horn 
uh, of a unicorn. This is poetic language in which he's, he's praising the God, 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 the Lord, there we go, uh, for blessing him uh, for his godly faithfulness to worship as God has prescribed. Uh, he says, I shall be anointed uh, with fresh oil. That's a picture of being strengthened by the Lord also. Um, some people think, well, this is probably David. Who, who was anointed more than David uh, in the Old Testament? He was anointed by Samuel, right? Uh, he was anointed when he became king of Judah. He was anointed again when he became king of Israel all over all the land. Uh, I don't think anyone was anointed more than that, Gary. Think about that. Let me know if you come up with something, okay? That'd be a good trivia question. That's one reason to think this, this might be David speaking here. Um, I shall be anointed uh, with fresh oil. Uh, this is language that is certainly being used poetically here to picture the anointing of God upon his people. Uh, Rich, we, we talk so much about the fact that Christ was, is Messiah, the anointed one, the one who was anointed with the Holy Spirit, evidently at his baptism, uh, to conduct his earthly ministry in power of the Spirit of God as an example to us, right? Because we need to do that. None of us is God. Uh, the Son. We have, we have no choice but to do that. We need uh, the anointing of Spirit of God to strengthen us, to empower us uh, to worship and to serve. Uh, and so the psalmist anticipates that as he's faithful to uh, assemble for corporate worship uh, and, and to praise the Lord, sing forth praises, he's anticipating this wonderful blessing of, of God's goodness to him by strengthening him. And it's this Wonderful poetic language here. We could say more. Uh, he also anticipates the Lord would be good to him by uh, being a great help to him, just in, in a general sense, uh, uh, perhaps a, a help uh, in the form of protection, more particularly, look at verse 11. He says, mine eye also shall be my desire on mine enemies, uh, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. Uh, and so there's, there's uh, a picture here of the Lord's help uh, in times of um, enemies opposing us or persecution, uh, we might say. Uh, in a general sense, the Lord's help, but probably specifically his help uh, when we're opposed or persecuted uh, by those who oppose the Lord and his people. Uh, that's the world we live in today, of course. Last thing you see here under this idea, the, the, uh, praise him for his goodness, uh, the psalmist anticipated the Lord will be good to him by, by growing him. And uh, there's pictures of physical growth here, but again, this, this is poetry. Uh, and so we, I think we do well to say, well, this is poetic language, which is picturing spiritual growth. Does spiritual growth matter? Yeah. Are you still growing spiritually? Yeah. Amen. Is that okay? Yeah, we, we better be still growing. Lord, grow me, right? Help me to remember that I've, I'm not yet grown up all the way spiritually. We won't be until we're home with him. So don't, now hopefully you're growing and, and, and you've grown to a place where you're pretty mature in your walk with the Lord. And 
You might feel like you, you've grown as much as you can, but we're not home yet, amen? We've not grown as much as we can, and so we need to, when you remember that, keep growing. Uh, Lord, grow me. Help me to desire you and, and, and draw close to you and, and dwell with you and be in your word and, and, and be in church and be, be a, a person of prayer. You'll grow. Uh, you'll, you'll grow if you'll be faithful uh, to those things. Well, the psalmist, uh, he anticipates the blessing of God growing him spiritually uh, as part of God's goodness toward him uh, as a blessing for his faithfulness to corporate worship and you know, worship in general. Look at the language in verse 12. He says, the righteous, uh, the obedient, the righteous shall flourish, uh, flourish like the palm tree. Uh, he shall grow like a cedar uh, in Lebanon. Now, uh, I won't dwell on this, but I think there's two ideas here that are, that are important and we should not miss. Uh, I, I did not grow up near palm trees, Brother Gary. Uh, I grew up where there's snow. You don't get a lot of palm trees where there's a lot of snow. Did you grow up with palm trees? You, you did. Carol did. You did not. You didn't grow up with snow, though. You didn't, right? Not much, at least. <laughs> Uh, palm trees, I understand, they grow pretty fast. Is that true? If they're planted where they can flourish, they'll grow pretty fast, right? They go straight up and, uh, and pretty fast. So I think there's a, there's a picture of sort of quantity uh, of blessing or, or speed of growth. Uh, so there's, there's, there's that idea here. The Lord desires to bless uh, a lot. He, he desires to be a great blessing, uh, as a palm tree grows up quickly, as it shoots up quickly, uh, God, God desires to grow his people quickly. Uh, I suspect we could grow a lot faster than we do, amen? The Lord desires to grow us very quickly. Uh, we throw up roadblocks to our growth, much more than we should, of course, but it's God's desire to bless us with growth if we're doing our part. So there's a I think there's a picture or an allusion here to the, the quantity of growth that he desires uh, to bless us with, but also the quality uh, of that growth. I think this is said a couple of ways. A palm tree uh, grows up pretty straight, right? And that might be a picture of the quality uh, of growth. But he says this, he shall grow like a cedar uh, in Lebanon. The cedar trees that grew in Lebanon, they were supposed to be the best, right? This was some of the best building material that you could get, the cedar tree would be expensive and excellent for construction, still is, uh, and, and would be among the best. There, there's a picture of kind of the quality of growth that God desires uh, to bless us with as well. He wants to grow his people a lot, and he wants to grow them really well. Uh, praise God. I think th those two ideas are, are in view there, and it's it's just a, it's a wonderful picture of the goodness of God. He doesn't want to grow us just a little bit or slowly or, or not very well. Uh, he wants to grow us a lot and quickly and, and, and really well. Uh, praise God for that. Um, look at verse 13. We're almost done here. Um, the quality and quantity of blessings uh, to the individual is in view here in verse 12. Um, but also in verse 13, there's truth regarding the breadth uh, of, of that offer. Uh, who is this offer of growth uh, being extended to here? Who, who's it being offered to? Well, it seems to me, Mike, it's being offered to anyone who knows the Lord 
uh, and who's being faithful to him in this context, specifically to worship him as he wants to be worshiped. Uh, but that, that the blessing, uh, to me, it looks like it's being offered uh, to anyone, any, any of God's people uh, who would take up this psalm and say, yeah, Lord, I, 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 I want to do this and I, I want to be blessed this way. Uh, the breadth of the offer, the universality of the offer, uh, I think is in verse 13. Uh, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Let me read it again. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord, uh, those that that will come in uh, to the place of worship and plant themselves there, not just passing through, not, not gonna just stop in once in a while, but those that will be faithful to the, the house of God, the place of worship, uh, shall flourish in the courts uh, of our God. Now, you remember the tabernacle and the temple. Uh, there, there, there were different, different components of that, right? Different, different places uh, or portions of, of the tabernacle and the temple. You had the Holy of Holies, right? That was the place of, of the presence of God. Uh, and then kind of round about the tabernacle proper, uh, you had courts, right? Exodus 27, 9, thou shalt make the court of the tabernacle and there was instruction given about the courts. Um, who, who could go into the court? Who could go into the Holy of Holies? Who could go into the Holy of Holies? And only, only when? Once a year, right? But many more could enter into the court. And uh, that idea, I think, becomes more clear when you get to the, the, the temple, uh, the courts uh, of, of the temple. Uh, even Gentiles could progress a certain distance into the courts uh, of, of the, the tabernacle, um, the temple, I mean to say. Uh, and so I think the idea here is that there's at least a hint here that um, it's not just the priest uh, sort of at the top of the heap leading the worship that these blessings are offered to, uh, but these blessings are offered to anyone that would come uh, into the courts of, of worship. I think that, that's the idea. I think that's why verse 13 is here. Those to be planted in the house of the Lord, those, anyone who would come and, and take up these principles can be blessed of God. It's not, it's not reserved for the priest or the preacher or the song leader, brother guys. It's anyone, any, any believer, right? Any, any genuine believer uh, can come uh, and, and take up these principles with God's help and expect the Lord's blessings. It's for everyone. Uh, it's for everyone. Not, not everyone practicing just any faith like that guy I met at the grocery store uh, a couple of weeks back, but anyone who would come to the Lord uh, by grace through faith uh, and, and be faithful to the worship that God has prescribed, that God has requested, that God has commanded, anyone can be blessed as the Lord is promising here. Uh, it's available to anyone that would take up uh, these precepts. And praise God for that. Um, and so you have a picture here of the quantity and quality of the blessings that God desires to pour out. And you have a picture of the breadth of the offer or the universality, not anyone of any faith, but anyone that would come to the Lord uh, and take up these, these precepts. Uh, and then uh, lastly here, uh, lastly, you have a picture of the duration 
of the blessing that God offers. And this is good. Is anybody here getting a little bit older? I don't know why I'm looking at you, brother. Marilyn's going like that. Are you getting a little bit older? You are? Some people are going like this. Carolyn, I don't know why I'm looking at you. I should look up there. You get a little older up there? Are you? I'm not going to look over here. I'm going to, and wherever I look, someone will be offended, right? So wherever I look, someone will be offended. Rich, you're still a young man, right? He's laughing. He's laughing. What is it? <laughs> um, well, if you're getting a little bit older, verse 14 is a verse that you can appreciate. Ed, you're not getting older, are you? No. Certainly not, Pastor. Verse 14 is, is a verse that if you're getting a little bit older, you can appreciate this verse because it, it goes to the, the duration of the blessing that God is offering to those that will take up these things and live them in his strength. Verse 14 says this, they shall still bring forth fruit in what? What does it say? Old age, old age. I'm going to let you decide when that begins, okay? They, uh, those that take up these precepts, these principles, and say, okay, God, help me be faithful to this and, uh, and, and assemble for worship when you prescribe for, for this day uh, and, and to praise you and be thankful and, and praise you for all of these things and be faithful to do that in song with the right kind of music and all, all of these things. Uh, there'll be a great quantity and quality of blessings, and it's available to anyone who, who would do this, uh, and it's durable. <laughs> it continues on. Uh, God promises this will continue into old age. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that fat and flourishing, that's poetic language also, right? It's, it's language that pictures blessings, it pictures uh, blessings. I saw my uncle, who I hadn't seen uh, in a bunch of years or a few years ago, and uh, he said, you're looking very prosperous, my nephew. <laughs> okay, I understood what he meant. He, he meant that he, he felt I looked like I was being blessed. Okay. Uh, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Um, if the Lord is blessing you with strength, uh, if he's blessing you with help, uh, if he's blessing you by continuing uh, to grow you uh, into and through old age, can you still serve him and be productive for him? Can you? You sure can. Don't forget that. This verse says that. In, in this, con this verse appears in that context. People say, oh, I'm too old and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm broken down. I, just, I can hardly go on anymore. And I say, well, you got to take up some passages like this and, uh, and know that God is still at work and he's still growing and his strength is still available and you can still serve him and not only serve him, but serve him in a way that he accomplishes his purposes. Isn't that implied? Verse 14, they shall still what? What does it say? Bring forth fruit? That's a picture of accomplishing some things for God, right? Not just doing, but accomplishing some things for the Lord. Maybe bringing some people to Christ. Uh, in when? When? In what? Old age. Are you there yet? I'm going to let you decide that. Okay, I'm going to let you decide that. They should be fat and flourishing. Uh, I think 
too often as we get older, we think I've got to a point in life where, you know, I've done what I can do and, and I can kind of just, you know, take a deep breath and, and just wait for the Lord to bring me home. I don't think that's a biblical idea. Uh, retiring from serving the Lord and retiring from worshiping the Lord and retiring from growing in and through the Lord, that's not biblical. You, you really can't align that idea uh, with the Word of God. And that's a good thing. It, it's a good thing. There's blessings in view here that continue into old age. And we all say amen. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Uh, these blessings are available uh, in this kind of quantity and quality to everyone for this period of time, this duration into old age, uh, for a reason. <laughs> and again, we see tonight here, and we're done. Verse 15, God has purposes. He has purposes. Uh, verse 15, to show that the Lord is what? Upright. Uh, he's my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. As he continues to bless and use us into our old age, uh, it reveals some things about the Lord. He's upright. Mike, he's faithful to his people into and through our old age, all the way home to him. Uh, he continues to be our rock. He continues to be faithful and righteous to us. There is no unrighteousness in him. Isn't that good? Let's stop there, please. Father, thank you tonight for this great psalm. Lord, I am so encouraged by it tonight. I thank you for it. Lord, I pray tonight that um, we just take this up. There's no, just no reason not to receive this tonight. And, and Lord, 